upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hi, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan. If you'd like hearing knock-knock jokes or jokes about your grandmother, go somewhere else! Oh! oh my god, this is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip Podcast. This is Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. Good, how you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man, what's going on? We ready to go, or what? This is a uh, special visitor, the hardcore legend, Mick Foley. It was a very rough feud to go through with Rick. It was a very bitter feud, too. He certainly didn't like me at that time, and I didn't like him, and we were both trying to be at the top. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't beat beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that, and every kid, I, they knew they could kick shit out of me. At this point, well, I'll be at a signing, and little kids will come up to me and throw up the click sign or talk about, oh, your ladder match with Sean at WrestleMania 10. I go, wait a minute, you weren't even a glimmer in your dad's eye. But yeah, bro, it's really flattering and, and amazing and humbling. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two men. This is a gutty, gutty performance right here by Dallas Page trying to get back to his feet, trying to hang in there. But I'm going to tell you what, guys, if he nails this thing, you can pack this stuff up and we off to another another place. I guarantee you right here now. Oh, my. What? Well, he's a ragging old pencil. Well, now this is good for Diamond Dallas. He's got more time with no one pounding him to recoup. Oh, no. He's use the bell. Our spare ring bell. There's always two at ringside. He's got that one. He's pushing cameramen out of the way. No disqualification. He can do whatever he wants. No one is safe. Now, DDP, who moments ago was... Grab it. Grab it. And run. Grab it and Savage up. Savage has won so many matches with this move right here. Bingo. Yeah, he's hurt. Bingo. See, there's nobody to count. No one to make the three count. Maybe that was the plan Savage yeah, had. But exactly. also, may, that's right. Maybe Uh-oh. he would have gotten up anyway. That's something coming. Oh, no, man. Nick Patrick. He walked out a little while ago. What's he going to do? Uh-oh. Oh, look, look at this right here. Nick Patrick for oh, his man. second tour here. The handwriting's on the wall right now. And a very big smile from Kevin Nash as well, who has come out. It's been a big night. For Kevin Nash. Everyone's watching this. It's his chance. He got it. He hooked him, boys. He hooked him. That's it. That's it. This place has erupted. Everyone is standing. 
Savage when you thought he had Diamond Dallas. Diamond Dallas had Savage. And look at Nick Patrick. The pressure's on him right now, Brain. He knows he's not going to get up. Come on, Patrick. Count him. Go ahead. You better count. Come on. One, One two, three. He's got it. He's got it. Is Nick Patrick back or what? Today's episode of the two-man power trip is brought to you by Lumen. Stay around later on in the show where I will have more information on how to get a $25 off discount off Lumen, the world's greatest life metabolism hack. Yes, you heard me right there. And today's episode we are bringing in in our flagship two-man power trip of wrestling interview podcast series none other than diamond dallas page ddp returns to the program ddp returns to the show after a a little bit of an absence when we talk all about what he's doing during this crazy ass pandemic how can you stay in shape what can you do i am a jp john paz and in this episode we will learn all about what you can do not only with our sponsor which you'll hear about later which is a great thing in lumen but ddpy ddp yoga how that can be so beneficial in your life especially right now and in these crazy times in this crazy world we are living in so diamond dallas page just an awesome unbelievable guest we go over an hour and we talk about a myriad of topics of course me being the huge wcw fan that i am we do go into a lot of different wcw feuds matches stories everything in between we talk about macho man randy savage we talk about goldberg we talk about hollywood hulk hogan we talk about the stinger and those great matches that he had on nitro against sting i mean there's so many different things rodman bischoff malone leno Oof, i mean they just the list goes on and on and on and ddp as you all should know if you don't know was one of the most over guys in the most over period ever in the history of wrestling that quote-unquote attitude era which is kind of the nitro era considering that they were dominating for those 83 weeks and actually well beyond 83 weeks, if you really look at the numbers and really focus in, well over two years, WCW was dominating the WWF, and DDP was a huge part of that, just monumental part of that. And if you just go back and watch and you hear his pops, you just absolutely love the stuff that he was doing, dressed up as La Parca, defeating Macho Man, taking off the mask, crowd goes nuts. When he beat up Hall and Nash in the same night when NWO was basically untouchable and nobody was beating them up and everyone thought DDP was going to join the NWO and he turns on them and has a gigantic face turn. I mean, whew, there's so many great, great memories. I mentioned the March 98 Nitro match against Sting, also the April 99 Nitro match against Sting, which was probably even better and even more epic, and DDP talks about how that's one of his best matches, and I totally, totally agree. It was just unbelievable and just awesome, and he throws a little trivia nugget out there about that match as well. It's the last quarter rating that WCW ever won against WWF, so it's the last win for Nitro over Raw, which is very, very interesting. I feel like they should have went back to that well and had some DDP Sting matches just to get Nitro back on the board, back on in their winning ways, but I'm not going to talk too much. I mean, we do have a very, very lengthy interview ahead of us a lot of great stuff to talk about a lot of great topics we do talk about aew we do talk about his current relationship with wwe we talk about jake the snake we talk about dusty Rhodes. we talk about georgia opening up during the pandemic and and all sorts of craziness in between so 
Before I hit a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and hand it on over the interview, just want to also mention, got so many things going on in the world of the two-man power trip of wrestling empire. Dirty Dutch Mantel over on the MLW Radio Network with his, with his show University of Dutch. On our feed here, we got Dr. Tom Pritchard's Taking You to School. On Vince Russo's The Brand, we have Shane Douglas's Triple Threat Podcast. And of course, over on Podcast One slash Launchpad, we have Rick Bassman's Talking Tough. And in the works, we have some other shows coming out very, very soon. You will be very interested to see those. I think you'll be really interested and kind of see what else we got coming down the pike, and it's going to be some good, fun stuff. But like I said, DDP, three-time, three-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, WB Hall of Famer, one of the absolute greats, one of my absolute favorites, the Master of the Diamond Cutter. He's coming up. Let's hit with a little two-man power trip of wrestling business. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Mike, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk. Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shane Douglas' store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podomatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling. And now, without any further ado, a former WWE Tag and European Champion, a former WWE Television Champion, United States Champion, and Tag Team Champion, he is a WWE Hall of Famer, the three-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion. He is DDP Diamond Dallas Page. Please enjoy.
right. Joining us on the line right now is a former WCW three-time world heavyweight champion, a former WCW TV two-time U.S. four-time tag team, and, of course, a former WWE tag team champion as well as European champion and a 2017 WWE Hall of Famer. He is DDP Diamond Dallas Page. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, good to talk to you, bro. So there's so much craziness going on in the world right now. I mean, there's some with this pandemic and this coronavirus. I mean, there's so much. What can people be doing to stay in shape? I mean, DDP yoga has got to be the way to go, right? <laughs> you know, it's really crazy because, uh, you know, as soon as the pandemic started hitting, once I heard that Italy had shut down the country, I took it super seriously. And <clears throat> my, like my girl uh, and my, one of my daughters who lives with me with my grandbaby, they were like kind of rolling their eyes and I was like, like, this is serious. And they're like, don't be such a downer. I go, I'm not being a downer. I just want you guys to be prepared because, you know, it's like, the, you know, the shit hit the fan here and it just got to be, you know, on top of it. And, uh, and then my daughter, Brittany started really paying attention to, you know, the, the last pandemic and just how, what people did and how you back up food and, you know, what you do with the food when you get it. Like, you know, so we did this whole DDP talks, food safety, YouTube, got a ridiculous amount of hits, but it was also super informative uh, besides being semi entertaining. And, uh, you know, uh, I closed down my, my workout side of my, of my program because, um, one of my guys had had dinner at a place that they shut down and they were, you know, um, they were putting everything in quarantine uh, at this uh, little restaurant. So he was working for us. And so I had all the people around him just to be prepared, you know, because we're, we're actually DDP yoga performance center. We work out, you know, there's like five or six classes a day there. Um, But uh, so I ended up closing that down and then, uh, uh, and then it just started to take effect all around. And so our money really never really came from our workout part. It comes from our DVDs and our DDP Yoga Now app. So that business has been like literally through the roof because, you know, people, they can't even get weights anywhere. People who, who need to work out and they need to have the weightlifting or whatever, they can't even find that stuff anywhere. And with my DDP Yoga Now program, you can have it anywhere, anytime, now, and you really don't need anything. So uh, it's um, it's been a godsend for people. And our deep, what really blows me away is DVD sales have been insane. And I'm thinking, I don't even have a DVD player. Uh, my computer doesn't even have a DVD slot anymore. So, uh, but I guess people still when it comes to fitness, have their, um, their, uh, the, the game that they play, what are the, uh, the stuff that they, where they play the, uh, Xbox, uh, PlayStation, yeah, whatever Xbox, it is. Yeah. yeah, that kind of stuff. They're all, they're all DVD driven. So, um, most people to throw them in there to, to work out. Uh, but our app is really the most amazing part because it's not just 300 workouts that start laying in bed. So you can't tell me that, DDPY is too challenging for you because the first three workouts are you laying in bed, like strengthening yourself so you can do the next eight workouts uh, where they're sitting in a chair, a calm chair force. Then the next workouts where you're using the chair, 
And I call those stand strong to help you build balance and get mobility back and strength. And then you go to beginner, intermediate, all the way up to psycho extreme stuff. You know, so I made it so there's no more excuses, you know, as far as uh, whether or not you're going to take care of yourself. And today, with there being so much stress wrapped around what's going to happen, there's nothing that's going to relieve stress more than working out. So, it kind of, you know, DDPY has become like a win-win situation. In this crazy time where there's like so much business is down and people are hurting, it's good to see, you know, you and DDP yoga is really something either beneficial but also successful and still booming. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's, it's very, there's very few things, you know, because so many things have just completely stopped. And it's one of those deals right now where they just, um, in Georgia where I live, um, they um, they just closed, they, they allowed the gymnasiums, massage parlors, uh, mm. bowling alleys, uh, uh, tattoo parlors, you know, a lot of businesses to reopen. And they, a TMZ had contacted me and they were like, hey, so uh, we know you got the DDP Yoga Performance Center. Are you going to close too? Would you like to come on and talk about it? I was like, sure. So I did. I just said what I really felt. And as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, Kemp, the, the, the governor, is a good guy. I've met him before. Or I voted for him. Um, he's just trying to get people working. But for me, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it. Um, because I'm lucky. I don't, I don't have to, you know, work around just, you know, human trafficking. <laughs> I'm, right. uh, um, uh, you know, like I say, ours, ours is DVDs and, and our DDP Yoga Now app. Uh, and that's where we made the bulk of our business anyway. But even if it was my only business, I don't know if I would open no matter what, because it's going to be so hard. You know, people are always giving you reasons why they can't work out. <laughs> they don't have enough time. <laughs> so, you know, I just can't imagine it being worth opening right now anyway. You know, so um, I'd rather, you know, the gym, the whole, uh, it was interesting off of the, um, the spot I did on TMZ, Anderson Cooper called me up. You know, his show, 360, called me up, and I went and did that, too, which was really interesting. And he was, he was, a, you know, he was a fun guy to, to talk to, um, but we talked about everything, too. Um, and um, bottom line is, is uh, it, a lot of people really liked what I had to say, and then, of course, you have your people who are negative to whatever you have to say. <laughs> uh, they actually make me laugh. I just like, wow, how could someone think like that? <laughs> um but um, for me, man, I just try to just go day to day, and uh, I, I'm six. I'm just turned sixty-four, so I'm I'm in that category of people. You know, if you get it, it's not going to be good. And now for me, I don't think it would kill me because I'm in really crazy shape. But my throat is not the best, so it involves in breathing and it, it hampers your breathing. I don't really want to go through that. <laughs> right. So I'm making sure I don't well I'm going to try to make sure I don't get it you know Yep. and recently like you said CNN and, and Anderson Cooper but recently I've seen Jake the Snake Roberts has made his return to the crib to the performance <laughs> center what's it like with uh, Jake the Snake back well he's actually at my house I call my house the recovery crib because it is a wellness spa 
I mean, I've got, in my house, I've got uh, a hyperbaric chamber, which is the highest level you'll find next to a hospital. A hyperbaric chamber, um, it's like going, um, they have them at like four PSI, uh, seven PSI. Uh, It's really tough to find one that has 12 PSI because that's like being 30 feet below sea level. And you're breathing in fresh oxygen. And people who understand what, what fresh oxygen is all about, you know, it's the one thing we need or we die. Right? You can live without water and food, but no oxygen, you got a problem. It's also a really great healer. So it heals you on a cellular level under a compressed circumstance, like when you're, you know, you know scuba diving or if you're uh, like at the hyperbaric chamber. And also, I've taken a few concussions, you know. I've gotten hit in the head a number of times. I've been knocked out, and I've knocked out a ton of people as well mm-hmm. in my world. Uh, um, so the brain takes a real beating. So I I use that uh, every day that I'm home because I want to, you know, just relieve my brain. And, and, uh, and, and it, it will actually, when it gets a 12 PSI, it actually – goes through the brain blood barrier and it gets oxygen on your brain, which like I say, is a really great healer. And I've also got infrared sauna right next to that. I got a steam room. I got, you got, uh, uh, I got a, um, a hot, uh, beautiful hot tub. I've got this thing for teeter boards. that held you upside down. I've got the inversion table, the, <laughs> I've got like everything here. So Jake, uh, you know, he was staying here because he's only on the, he's on the road like 24 days a month, you know, doing his tour. He's doing his, uh, his one man show. He's doing comic cons. He's doing appearances. So he's, you know, he's only off the road, you know, maybe four to six days a month. I was like, dude, just stay, stay with me. You know, you're, you're not going to be here that much. You're here. You know, we'll hook you up. And then this COVID thing started happening. And I was like, um, bro, you can't come and go. Like I got, I got my granddaughter staying with me, and she's seven months. And they say it can't hurt babies, but I don't buy any of that shit. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, believe it as I move, and uh, you know, and then check it out. And I just don't want to put anything around her. So I told Jake, I said, if you leave again, bro, you can't come back. He's like, yeah, no problem, bro, because I'm going to Toronto and I'm going here and here and there. Well, I knew all that stuff was going to get canceled, but I let him go. You know, I'm not going to tell him not to go. And um, and then he got, you know, got stuck in a hotel. And we live in hotels when you're when you're traveling the way we do. So it's not really that big a deal. A hotel, you know, a good hotel can almost be like the home away from home. But when there's no one in the hotel and then there's the, you know, the gym is closed and the pool is closed and they, you know, in a Marriott, they stop the restaurant. So now he's got four walls around him and he's, you know, he, you know he's an addict. So he, you know, he, he doesn't want any triggers to go off, you know, that sets him back to drinking again. So, and we put up a couple posts up on uh, Twitter, and I reached out to him and I said, "Okay, listen, I'll let you come back, but you got to be quarantined for the first six days." 
And that's what we, you know, that's what we did. And that'll, that'll be the next video that comes up. Nice. You feel it because he was a big mentor to you. Not that you owe him one or something, but you feel like, okay, you know, I really want to take care of him. He was a mentor to me. Now I'm going to help him out. Does that ever kind of cross your mind? Sure. Uh, pretty much. You know, I, <laughs> my daughter was like, I love Jake. You know, I love Jake, but why do we have to take care of him? <laughs> hmm. I said, honey, we don't live in this house. You know, if Jake doesn't pull me under his wing. So right now he needs us. So, um, and he's great. I mean, he's, a, he's uncle Jake, <laughs> you know? Yep. So, uh, it's all good. It's all good. And we'll make for some pretty interesting videos this time here and stuff. So it'll be interesting. What's it like kind of reversing that he was your mentor and, and, and obviously Dusty too, but he was a big mentor of yours. And now you are mentoring other guys and you put other guys kind of under your learning tree and it's kind of full circle. Is that something that's really kind of worthwhile to you? Do you love that? Well, you know, I just, you know, first of all, you guys, it's real, like, really like family, you know, like our whole, all of our world of professional wrestling, like, you know, we may bust each other's chops, but no one else gets to do that. <laughs> you know, we, mm-hmm. We're all pretty yep. tight when it comes to that. Um, like the mob, I guess. <laughs> hmm. um, but, um, you know, helping, helping the boys out, you know, it's, a, it's just a natural for me uh, because that's what I do. In life, anyway, my whole DDP yoga program is all based around that, you know. Like on that app, it's not just workouts, it's motivational Mondays, it's cooking shows. And so, you know, we'll end up doing cooking shows with Jake and, and whoever comes through here. Uh, and just so we show people, you know, not just tell them what to eat, we show them how to make it and how to make it taste delicious, you know. So, um, you know, it's, it's a part of what I do, you know. How has your experience been so far helping out Cody Rose and Brandy and AEW? How do you think that experience has gone for you so far? It's been amazing, and they're pretty much doing everything on their own. I'm just I'm, – if Cody was not supposed to talk to him today at 530, he's so busy, hmm. uh, I'll just text him, yo. And if he gets, when he gets back to me, hey, bro, and then I'll hit him back and go, okay, okay. Uh, I wait to make sure he knows I'm like we're in a thread. Not just I put a thread up, it never gets answered because he'll get pulled. He'll have, you know, a hundred plus texts roll in in a couple hours. So it's easy to see your texts get lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, we've been talking, trying to connect the talk for the last couple of days, but today we're going to, and, um, you know, I've been, I've been mentoring him since he was a kid. You know, and uh, mainly because what Dusty did for me first off, and I really liked him. But after a while, it became just about me and him. And uh, it's a special relationship. I'm super, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm excited for him, what he's been able to accomplish. You know, Dusty would have been doing cartwheels. Um, but, uh, and Dusty would have gotten involved heavily <laughs> where it's just him. And again, I just I'm just there when he needs me. And that's why when he came in and and was doing this whole thing, we started filming him, my production company, because that's what really what we are. Um, we have a company called Comeback Studios, and we did the resurrection of Jake the Snake. We have another uh, documentary coming out this year called Relentless. Um, 
and that, that's a whole story of from me blowing my back out to where we are today. And really, like we were done with it, but the reason why it, we didn't put it out there yet was because in January, you know, I, I went back into the ring for one more time because Cody Fish asked me to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and um, I would never have thought that was possible. <laughs> and when it went, Jay Cody laid everything out. You know, what he wanted me to do. And uh, he gave me complete freedom in, in certain spots. There was a couple of things like jumping off that top rope. He asked me if I'd do it. And, uh, you know, it came down to risk versus reward. <laughs> because, you know, at three months from 64 years young, be the smartest thing for me to do? Uh, not really. But, boy, if you didn't get hurt, and it did come off, flawlessly, it really would prove that DDP yoga is the real deal. It's not bullshit. Oh, yeah. it's, yep. it's the real deal. It would back up everything I've ever said over the last, you know, 15 years. I mean, Chris Jericho and AJ Styles um, back it up every day because AJ's like 43 now and Chris is 49. And they're still moving like cats, you know, um, and they'll give the credit to, you know, what they, you know, how they live their life. But my program really has a lot to do with that, helping them in that. So it really did justify everything. And I was really, um, I was thankful <laughs> that I didn't get hurt. Uh, and it was a great moment. Now, being a big WCW fan like I was, I remember you, you know, for an extended period of time wearing that great back brace, you know, the, the tape around the ribs and covering the back. Was that kind of a little bit of an homage, or did you really need that? <laughs> back then, I needed it. I wore when I got out to the ring just for fun. Um, my ribs weren't hurting me when I was out there in January. But back in the day, I mean, Randy Savage, he dropped that elbow so many times on me that, I mean, I literally was pissing blood for 13 out of 15 weeks. And I went to see my doctor. And they did the catheter and the scan on my kidneys. And they're like, dude, you need to stop. You need to take some time off. I'm like, I'm not taking time off. This is, this is, this is my run. This is, this is what I worked so hard for. And was it smart? Probably not. But you know, I ended up okay on the on the end of it. But um, yeah, back then I needed it big time. <laughs> that feud against Randy Savage in 1997, the feud of the year, I think most people say, even though there was some great feuds in wrestling, that is probably the absolute feud of the year. Just think about the the no DQ matches, the uh, the death matches, the the Spring Stampede match. I mean, just an amazing, amazing feud. Were you ever kind of taken aback that that Savage just like was so not easy to work with, but just so eager to almost put you over. Like this is Macho Man Randy Savage, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, sure. You know, you'll, you'll take a loss here or there, but overall, I mean, he's putting you over a lot. You know, um, it was never lost on me. <laughs> it was never lost on me. As a matter of fact, is um, in November of 97, I mean, I had like the most ridiculous I had the best year you could ever have. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. like from my first 
booming year. We were killing the WWE at the time. Um, it was just like the best ever. And over that period, I'd help probably 30, 20 to 30 guys, closer to 30 guys get jobs. In other words, get them to live the dream of being a professional wrestler from Kidman to Glacier to Canyon to to Disco Inferno, Raven. I mean, like you name it. <laughs> I got guys jobs. And around that time in Thanksgiving, we didn't have pagers back. Uh, we didn't have uh, um, phones to do text in, but we had beepers that you could write a text in. And I was getting these little texts on, the, on my beeper thanking me at Thanksgiving and, you know, thanking me for helping them, a bunch of different guys. And I started thinking to myself, man, who doesn't know that I'm thankful to them? Like I knew Dusty knew and Kevin and Scott and, oh, my boys, and I'd always thank them and put them over for, for helping me do whatever, whatever anybody did. I don't forget people who helped me. But I was thinking, man, I bet you Randy doesn't know. So I just picked up the phone. And I called him, and he had an answering machine on there. And I left him a message. I said, listen, Mach, um, this is going to sound kind of corny. I said, but, you know, I'm just sitting here having a cocktail, and I've gotten a bunch of texts from the boys uh, thanking me, you know, at Thanksgiving. And they're grateful. And I thought I started thinking about who am I grateful to who doesn't know it. And I thought, I'll bet you you don't. I bet you you don't know. I said, man, I said, don't ever think that it's lost on me what's happened to my career in the last eight months. I said, I know that I am not where I am today without you doing me this favor of asking to work with me and putting me over, man. I said, I just want to let you know I'm super grateful, (laughs) like super grateful. I hope you have an awesome Thanksgiving. And I hung up the phone. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't really think about it again until TV. And he wasn't there on that Monday. So it had been almost a week. And I was at taping for Thursday Thunder. And we were backstage. And he came around the corner. He's a ways from me, like as far away from me as you could be, um, where that you could is still backstage area. And he saw me and he went, Diamond, come here. And I'm like, he starts power walking to me. I'm like, what the hell is he pissed off about? What did I do wrong? Because <laughs> he was coming at me with like, you could, like that Randy Savage intensity. And when I got up to him, he grabbed me and he pulled me in the office. I mean, he really grabbed me, you know, like, <laughs> what the hell's up, dude? <laughs> and he goes, I got your message. Yeah. Yeah, I did, and and I listened to it a couple of times. And then I called my dad, <laughs> and I said, Dad, did any of the boys ever call you and leave a message like this? And he said, no. He said he never even heard about that, one of the boys doing something like this. He said, I just want you to know it meant a lot. And he gave me this big bear hug. And up to that moment, I don't know if he's going to punch me or hug me, you know. And he just hugged me. And it was like, you know, people forget 
that please and thank you, you know, cost nothing, you know, and people really appreciate it. They just want to know that, you know, you don't remember. Yeah. Goldberg called me, Goldberg called me after his match with Jericho in WWE to thank me for trying to smarten him up all those years ago when we worked together at Halloween Havoc in his best match ever. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite matches too. I think it would have made it better if he would have taken a diamond cutter and lost because he should have, because that's how he should have went down. And if I would have really been dialed in like just to that, like he can be today, me a Monday morning quarterback, it's like, that's how Goldberg should have lost the, you know, got his one loss. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. Dime Cut, which would have blown me up even farther, you know, uh, but it also would have given him that little chink in the armor that he could have won back the next night. Right. Hey, you know, um, but um, as opposed to how he did lose, and he'll never forgive Kevin and Scott. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he loves Kevin. Uh, Scott, he's uh, not really crazy about. <laughs> right. Um, yep. But goes both ways. You know, Scott, he's opinionated too. But, uh, you know, uh, if, if it would have been believable, you know, if he were in, in our world of make believe, you know, it would have been believable. That match was so amazing, though, because it's suspended belief. I should say it's suspended disbelief. Yes. I mean, I mean it was a great match. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, and uh, happy to have uh, been a part of it. He, just, he, he wouldn't even wrestle in a year and a half at that time. Today's episode is brought to you by Illumin. Go to Illumin.me and learn all about life's most important hack, the metabolism hack. Lumen is working to improve the world's metabolic health and quality of life. Lumen is the first device to measure a person's metabolism in real time. This is going to tell if your body is using the fats for fuel or carbs for fuel and provide you with personalized daily meal plans and insights to help you reach your goals. Lumen's science is rooted in years of validation research conducted by their two founders and chief scientists. Please use the code 2MANPOWER25 to get $25 off. Yes, that is 2MANPOWER25 to get $25 off. That is Lumen.me. Yes, Lumen, the world's best metabolism hack. So, um, he had a hell of a run, though. Had a hell of a run. Yeah, and I was just thinking, because you mentioned Hall Nash and the diamond cutter and just basically how big and over that move was. It's probably the most over move in wrestling, if you really think about it, for, for a period of time. And when you beat up Nash and throw him out of the ring, give Hall the diamond cutter, I mean, well, it kind of reverse order there. But still, uh, right. when you do that phrase turn, you do that. I mean, boy, whew, that is the rocket ship that, like, just catapults you. One of the biggest That pops. was it. That was nuts. That was awesome. Yeah, and, and people, you know, they think it was just like, God, like, how did you get here? How did you get to the main event? Well, it started with no one took down the NWO. Scott yeah. and Kev were, even though Hulk is Hulk, it was Scott and Kev who started that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was their baby. Eric Bischoff. So, I mean, that, that, that idea started in my garage having a beer. That's how that started. And, um, you know, bottom line is, is that, 
I, I came up with the entire idea and ran it by Kevin, and Kevin loved it. He's like, go tell Eric. He goes, that's great. We need to build you. It's your time. And I said, I'm not going to tell him. Because I got to ask Scott. Well, I got Scott a job back when, when I'm talking about guys I got jobs for. <laughs> Scott Hall a job mm-hmm. um, when um, his wife was pregnant with Cody. And um, he had no job. He was getting ready to go work for Home Depot. And I convinced him to dye his hair black and shave his walrus mustache. And the bad guy was born. And no one recognized him. When I brought him to TV that day, no one did. And so he, he never forgot that. And uh, he wanted to, he knew I was ready. He knew, he, it was like the perfect storm. You know, I, I, I had been working so hard to get to that spot, never thinking wrestling was going to be bigger in the 90s than it was in the 80s. You thought we had our big run. It was the 80s in wrestling, meaning that that's all wrestling could ever get. And then the 90s came along, that Monday Night Wars. Man, I just exploded everything. And again, when you think about it, cable television, no top 10 shows. We were top four between WCW and WWF doing Raw and SmackDown and Nitro and Thunder. There were weeks where it was Nitro, Raw, um, Thunder, SmackDown, top four rated shows on television, on cable television. It was crazy. And they always say, which is insane to me, oh, WCW didn't create a lot of stars. Well, oh, my God. Well, <laughs> Steiners, Giant, Goldberg, but I want to you know, focus on you. You became a, just a gigantic, huge star during that period. Not only the, the Rodman, you know, Carl Malone, like all those huge intertwined, but wrestling Hogan on Nitro in one of Hogan's best matches. Kind of when they said, oh, Hogan's, uh, you know, he's older now, and him playing his heel, he's not as, you know, maybe he's not as mobile, and blah, blah, blah. You brought out one of the best matches in the Hulkster, too, on Nitro. It's just like, man, like, you were just on fire during that period. So that kind of narrative is definitely BS. You know, um, <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> when I got back to my house after that trip, he's like, God damn, bro, how did you pull that match out of Hogan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Hulk really liked me. And um, the fascinating part was in 1994, Hulk had just come in. And he was doing now his European tour. And it was going to go all over Germany, through the UK, and all over Germany. And that's um, my fifth road show. I'm, I'm the curtain jerker. I'm the first match. I'm nobody. 1994. And uh, one night, I got out of the ring, I finished my match, I walked through the curtain, and Hogan grabs me, and he pulls me to the side. He goes, how are you doing it? I'm like, doing what, Hulk? What did I do wrong? (laughs) He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, how are you getting so much better? And before I could, you know, even start to answer, he answered it himself. He goes, this is what you're doing, right? They're, they're, uh, They're giving you house shows with no TV, 
so you can learn your craft because I don't see you on TV that much. He said, but when I do, you got some new move I had never seen you do. <coughs> and when you hit, you pop up and you get the people involved. He's like, <coughs> he goes, this is what they're doing with you. Put you on a road like this, right? And I'm like, no, not at all. He's like, what? And he goes, how the hell are you doing it then? He said, well, Hulk, I said, um, you know, they weren't using me at all. So, you know, I just went down to power plant and I started teaching guys. You know, and I figured, you know, the more I learn, you know, the more I teach people, the more I learn, the more I learn, the better I get. And uh, he goes, whatever the hell you're doing, you need to keep doing it. Because it's not today or tomorrow or next year or the year after. He said, but somewhere down the line, you have the ability to draw huge money with me. And he walked away. And all I could think about was, did Hulk Hogan just say he watched my matches? <laughs> yeah, and for me, it was like, Hulk was like, uh, he was always looking for who's the next guy that I could draw money with, meaning him, meaning who's the next guy that could who could actually pull it off, be believable enough, and give me a hell of a match. Mm-hmm. And it was it was pretty cool that uh, that he had picked me and said that to me. So for I just started manifesting it in my brain, and. You know, I, I I started really thinking like that could happen. So everything I was doing was working towards that. And um, four years later, uh, I'm on The Tonight Show. Well, I'm not on, actually. Jay Leno has Rodman and Hulk on. And... At some point, while Rodman is busting Carl Malone's chops, we come walking in from the curtain, you know, the stage left, throw down some chairs, throw up the diamond cutter signs, and face off with these two guys and shoot our angle on The Tonight Show. Now, Dusty Rhodes, who is my mentor and one of my closest friends, um, he told me, the day he couldn't believe how I accomplished all the things I accomplished because he was there. He had helped me so many different ways, guiding my career. But it would shock him that I would get to the next position, to the next position, to the next. He just it blew his mind. And because uh, yeah, I remember I didn't start wrestling until I was thirty-five and a half. My yep. career didn't mm-hmm. take off until I was forty. Really, my career didn't blow up huge until I was forty-one. And that was that was ninety seven, <clears throat> and uh, Dusty was. Uh, he said, "When I saw you walk, when I saw you walk across Jay Leno's stage, I was like, kid, you took it to a different level, because no one had ever done that. No one had been on the Tonight Show yet. None of that shit. Hulk was the only one, and he was Hulk Hogan, you know. So." Uh, it was it was a you know talk about manifesting a dream into a reality, you know. 
Unbelievable. And you, during that point in time, you just think about guys like Macho Man and Hulk, and you're kind of getting the best matches out of them possible. I remember, and I don't even know if a lot of fans remember or you remember this that well, but uh, March of 98, you versus Sting for the world title, awesome match on Nitro. But then again, April of 99, one of the best matches for sure. I mean, the crowd was nuts. It was just unbelievable. Your champ, Sting, ends up winning the title that night. But do you remember those matches against Sting on Nitro? Because those are some of the loudest reactions for both of you guys and just unbelievable matches from Sting during that time period as well. So, I mean, you're having matches with the top guys that bring out the best in them. I can remember Sting. Because I, I, you know, there's... People think everything's choreographed in wrestling, and there's no way guys could remember everything. So, but there is a lot of preparation, you know, that you lay out what you want to do, but you're not like practicing it. <laughs> you're just assuming you know how to do it because they've watched you work. So, but it's the best um, in preparation and improvisation. And that that match where I lost the title to. Uh, to sting mm-hmm. and then won it back later that night. Yes. No yep. one's ever done that. <laughs> you know? In a full way. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it, again with it, with an incredible group of guys in that four way. And uh, um, when I wrote, you know, said this thing, this is what I want to do. He looked at me and he goes, geez, diamond, that's, that's like a monster pay-per-view match. I'm like, yeah. I said, dude, I'm dropping the world title to you. I want it to freaking be awesome. And he's like, I'm in. And what happened is, as we got to the ending, Charles Robinson, the referee, says, Diamond, Diamond, you got five more minutes. Now, in my head, we got 60 more seconds. Because I'm about to start to do some stuff that's going to take us into that. Oh, no, you got five more minutes. And Sting was coming at me. If you watch it back again, where I grab him by the tights and I throw him to the floor. And Sting was, at that time, was going through, you know, was going through a divorce. And he was a little tense, you know, like... I think he thought I was taking advantage of him because, as I said, go to the floor. He went to the floor, but he was mad. He got up, and he was, he was like, literally fighting me. But there's a point where I'm choking him. I was like, dude, I'm not screwing around with you. We got five more minutes. I gave him a huge overhand chop. And the rest of that match was like call on the fly, man. And I think that was the best match. I mean, even though I lost that match, I'm looking. I always look at what did, how did the people react, and I think that might be the best match I've ever had besides the first Randy match. You know, it was just unbelievable. You know I mean, the people were in it at every turn, and the fascinating part is, and a trivia piece of trivia is, it's the last quarter hour that WCW ever ever won. Oh wow. Didn't even realize yeah. that. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a player, you know, you constantly want to know, well, what did I, where were my ratings at? Mm-hmm. Oh, when you came on, they went up. Oh, when you came on, they went down. <laughs> you know, so you're always, I was in a spot where I could go out there and have a great match with a broom. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you give him someone like Sting, it's going to be great, great match. Because he was, his charisma and energy, and we were, there's a lot of times that we were having fun out there, too. You know, like, but I, I had this one thing where I'd pick you up for a, a power slam, and I'd spin and come down on my ass, and it was a spinning power bomber. And, uh, and when he, when I'd pick him up, he'd rub my head and go, shampoo. That's great. It's amazing, like, to kind of just kind of go back and, and think about how that was, like, 20 years ago, plus the WCW run, because I can remember vividly being a huge WCW fan like it was yesterday, and you being, like, the, the La Parca thing where you're La Parca, I mean, that crowd oh, literally... Yeah. That the crowd literally just goes nuts. So you're kind of associated with some of the biggest pops, I mean, I've ever heard in wrestling. And we <laughs> haven't heard, really, if you think about modern wrestling, we haven't really heard big pops like that since. You know what I mean? Like, that was the, the loud crowd. That was the energy. I mean, you guys were supplying it. Well, I'll tell you that, that right now, and I've been to all the big shows for AEW. They actually bring it the way it was brought back in mm. the day. Mm, yep. You know, they, those fans are super, super, super passionate, and they feel like they're part of the company, and they are. I just watched Cody. He had a thing up on um, on Twitter. We had a phone number. He wants people to call in and tell me what you love about it, tell me what you hate about it. You know, he's like, he's like, he, he's like, he is the people's champion, you know, right now. Yeah, and. Uh, I could see him taking that moniker because he really is a, a man of the people. And, um, you know, next time I talk to him, which is going to be today, I'm going to suggest that to him. Like, you know, you, you, know, you are kind of like, get them to call. Let the announcer to call him like the people's champion because the people love him, man. You know, they love him. So, uh, are you okay with giving him that moniker? Because that's technically yours, not the Rocks. You know, and, you know to me, yeah, God, the Rock. I mean, I am so proud of The Rock and what he has accomplished. Um, I'm a huge mark for him. Uh, He just, uh, he's the biggest star in the world, and he's one of us. So at this point, that son of a bitch made everything better than what it was, no matter what. It was, I have a great story about him. First time I met him, I was was in Canada, and I'd gone by the show to see Big Show, and nobody did that back then. You know, and you, you didn't go to WWE or WCW unless you needed a job. I just signed a multi-million dollar three-year deal. I wasn't going anywhere. But <clears throat> I was in the same town. I was off that night, and I wanted to go out and have some drinks with my buddy. And on the way out the door, he goes, hey, I'm going to get my bag. He goes, he goes, uh, you want to meet The Rock? I said, sure, I'd love to. So we got <laughs> And we were in Toronto at the at the Sky Dome there. I don't know if you've ever been there, but no. it's huge. The locker room is humongous. And everybody's, you know, already gotten out of there, so they don't have to deal with traffic. Uh, and uh, Joe goes, hey, he goes, Rock, are you here? He goes, yeah, I'm in the shower. And, and Big Show goes, great, because I got some huge Mark who's dying to meet you. And so you <laughs> and I don't know why I said it, man, but I said it. I said, yeah, and I don't want to meet you unless you're naked and your balls are all soapy. Now, for you to hear my voice in a WWE locker room, you know, Rock knows that voice, but 
it does he doesn't know it because we're in a WWE locker room. And the last person he's thinking about is me. And he sticks his head around the corner and, and Rock suds up like the Michelin man. He's like a clean freak. <laughs> he sees me, he's like, Oh, diamond. And he goes, I'll be right out. I say, take your time, man. So he he comes out and he's just a he's the classiest cat on the planet. And he's super humble and we're talking and I said, you know, I said, uh, Jake, he called me in ninety six and uh like when you came in it's Rocky Mavia, you know, and uh he was you know, one of the booking you know, guys on the booking committee and he said, Man, wait till you see this kid Rocky Mavia. He is such a handsome son of a bitch. I'm not sure if I wanna fight him or fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> and the rock just burst out and he goes, Yeah, he goes, That sounds like something Jake would say. And uh, he said, you know, the main thing, he was he was letting me know that he thought you were going to be one of the biggest stars in the world, Matt. And he said the same thing about me in 93. He said the same thing about Austin when he was the ring bearer. And, uh, you know, he goes, man, Rock's got, you know, Jake's got a great eye for talent. And I said, yeah, but since he told me you were, and I knew what he said about me, and I didn't believe it at the time, um, but he did, and it helped me to believe it. And, um, you know, and he tells me he thinks someone's going to be really great. I'd take a personal interest in him to watch him. And he said, uh, he said, um, you know, you were going to be one of the top guys, man. And I said, you know what I saw? I saw you do an interview where you were yourself, and then you went into the rock character. I mean, he just started that. And I said, then you said the rock this and the rock that. And then you went back to yourself. And then you went back to the rock and then back to yourself. I said, that shit was really interesting, bro. I go, I really enjoyed that. I said, I'm going to really enjoy watching your career. And we shook hands and I'm almost out the door. Like I said, his locker room's really large. And I'm down, going down a hallway. And uh, and uh, um, I'm almost out the door, and I hear, hey, Diamond. And as I turn, and Big Show gets out of my way, and I can see way back in the corner him putting on one of those Versace shirts he used to wear, and he's got those long sideburns. Remember when he had the long mm-hmm. velvet oh, yeah. bullet chops? Yep. He had those, and I showed you how long ago it was you now. Because I was way above him at that time. Like, he was on that rocket. He was becoming the rock, but he wasn't him yet. But he says to me, he says, you know, Diamond, there's only one people's champion. And Big Show's like, whoa, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I just deadpan stared at him. And I waited, and I waited. And then I said, you know, Rock, you're right. And you, you, my friend, well, you're looking at him. Oh, and I was out the door before he could say another word. (laughs) He did the eyebrow, the whole thing. Big Show's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, you stopped him. You stopped him. Nobody stops him. And it was just such a great moment. I ended up going out and getting drunk as, skunk, drunk as skunks with me and him. 
we had an Uber driver. It was an Uber driver. I think it was one of the, the fans were driving us around. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> and um, I got home that night to the hotel, and I woke Kim up. Leave me alone. I go, I don't want to fuck you, baby. I want to tell you. I got to tell you. I want to show up in the WWF because that's what it was back then. And she's like, what? I go, I'm trying to tell you. I want to tell you I'm going to show up in the WWF. It's like, what are you talking about? You just signed a multi-million dollar three-year deal. I go, not now. When my career is over, that's where I'm going to end up. And she's like, okay, what? What? I said, they're going to turn out all the lights. I said, I just met The Rock. I said, the chemistry was insane. I said, this is what's going to happen. They're going to turn out all the lights, and everybody, of course, is going to think it's Chris Jericho. And then 30 seconds are going to go by, and still nothing. And Jim Ross is going to say, everybody, hold down one second. Just hang tight. We have technical difficulty. Boom. You hear my voice for the first time in a blacked-out WWE arena. Who's the real people's champion? Spotlight mm. on me. You're looking at them. Throw up the diamond cutter stuff. I do the bang. Explosions. I go to the ring. I freaking cut this promo on Rock about gimmick infringement, which he would later do against a bunch of guys who were freaking just stealing. Everybody was stealing the shit. It was so mm-hmm. hot. Yep. And uh, I do this promo, but and there was no one. He had never had a gimmick infringement at that time. I'm the one who thought of that originally in my own world. Of course, the guy's still pretty smart. <laughs> who knows when that actually really came to him on, on his own. But I said, he'll be injured. He won't be able to work, so he won't be able to repute, he won't be able to rebut me for a couple of weeks. I don't know, maybe he's doing a movie or something. Now, Fox isn't doing any movies in 1999. <laughs> and that, but that's what I'm telling her about this idea. And then um, shit gets, you know, WWE ends up, you know, somehow manipulating. I don't know how they got WCW for $5 million because Bishop was willing to pay $50 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But it had to go on their TV, but he wouldn't even care. Give me the, if he knew he could pay $5 million, he would have bought it for ten. You know, he knew he could have placed that somewhere. Right. And uh, bottom, I tell I would have bought it for five. Uh, bottom line is, is, um, is um, over that period, Sting is actually filming Scorpion King. Like every fucking everything I saw was lining up perfectly for me. And then I let Vince and Shane talk me into the stalker idea. Yeah. Which was strictly just to beat down WCW. And it wasn't me personally they were trying to beat down. It's just whoever got like Michael PSA said to me, he said, Bro, whether it was you, Sting, Goldberg, <clears throat> any one of you three. You know, whoever was that guy, if you didn't come, it would have been Booker. Bottom line is, is whoever that first guy was, was he was going to get beat down. You're a WCW guy. And that's just the way it was. And, you know, and I understood that. It was business. I never, you know, one, once I, 
you know, got over the drama of how bad my initial run was there. And then I really got to work with WWE and do the very best of nitros. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. WWE yep. was so good. And they, they were so good to me, you know, over these last few years and the Hall of Fame and putting Jake in when, you know, we were releasing Resurrection and Jake the Snake. I mean, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. WWE was very good to me. And I didn't, if it was anybody else but Cody, I wouldn't have done anything with AEW. But I never took a contract with AEW. You know, I never asked, and Cody didn't ask me. I told him before anything ever happened. Like, bro, uh, you know, I don't ever want to be contracted to AEW because I want to be able to give you my advice, you know, to my nephew without any, without, um, any money involved. No, no, yeah, but I'm mad. It's, uh, where I didn't have an agenda. Mm, right? Okay, like, gotcha. If gotcha. I'm not making any money, I can't have an agenda. <laughs> you know, I want I want you to know, just like just like it would have been from Dusty giving me advice. It would have it would been from the heart, and you do what you want with it. You know, and I've done that throughout this time. But I really wanted to still work with WWE, you know, and and do, uh, you know. Uh, and just work with the boys, you know, on my program. And I still do. I mean, I still get it to them, but I'd love to still, you know, help the company out because they were good to me. And I have, mm-hmm. I have nothing but, I have nothing but really great things to say about the WWE. You know, what's, uh, what's the current relationship like with them? Because just well, AEW, yeah, it's hands off. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's just for, you know, I'm sure it is for now. And, you know, for now, it, I, I, I understand, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird time right now, especially right now. Hmm. You know, before, you know, just the fact that the AEW has drawn the crowds that they have drawn. I mean, like, Jericho said it in an interview somewhere. I mean, this is unprecedented. It never happened before. And if they can get them to come back after all this shit's over, and who knows when that's going to happen. And they're losing... WWE and, you know, AEW, you know, they're losing the revenue, you know. AEW only does, you know, the pay-per-views and and the Monday show, but that's a lot of revenue, man. Yeah, huge losses uh, for both, uh, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, huge for WWE, but if you take it and when you look at – you know, um, WWE, that's why 30 guys or whatever it is got let go. Mm, because yep. their overhead, you know, is huge. Now, they've got huge TV deals, too. But they had to cut back on some of their overhead just because there's not going to be any road shows for a while. And when they do happen, you know, I think they'll still come back. But, you know, until we fucking figured out how to work around this coronavirus. I mean, I mean, the biggest thing about wrestling fans or fans in general is they don't have their mouths covered. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. The, hell roar, yeah. the roar of the crowd is not with a, you know, a bringing COVID mask on front. <laughs> you know, so the roar of the crowd is important to athletes, you know, and entertainers. No, it's a, it's a crazy time right now, you know. 
yeah. wish they would have. I wish they would have just done what Mex what, what China did, and made everybody. You know, just to, you know, to me, I'm not Trump. I have nothing to do with being Trump or the Republican or a Democrat. But I would have, you know, had everyone just stay inside for you know 30 straight days, find out who has the freaking shit and who doesn't. But you know, home of the you know, home of the free. You know, a lot of people don't want to hear that shit. Yep, and, absolutely. Yep. And unfortunately, we're in a spot where some people take it really seriously, like me. And there's other people who are going, "Oh, you're gonna be afraid of a virus," and they make fun of it. And uh, then there's people who are in the middle of that. But everyone's going to be affected. You know, um, it'll be interesting. My my daughter just gave me a. Uh, she sent me a text or something that she had found. And this is, I'll leave you with this. This is 1918 epidemic. What happens if you relax a pandemic measures too early? And then it says data in excess deaths caused by 1918 pandemic strain of influenza in Denver per 100,000 population. So on September 27th uh, of 1918, I want to say that it's supposed to be 100,000, so this would be probably about 4,000. And then you get to the middle of the month and there's 19,000. No, excuse me, there's, there's nine. There's 190,000. Then it gets to October 16th. There's 50, around 54, 540,000. And then they got everybody inside, locked them down. It's all around the world, you know, for the mm-hmm. numbers. It dropped to 250,000 on November 11th by. On uh, December about 10th, it was almost at 800,000. Whoa. Right. Now, this is, this is something that came from one of those, uh, um, uh, oh, she didn't put the actual name of what was up there. It's one of those, um, those things online that's uh, uh, like one of those hospital numbers type of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, <laughs> I don't think we'll have deaths like that, um, but I think we'll have cases, you know, and I think that it really kicks out the elderly or the weak or people. There are a lot of kids who have been taken down on this too, but maybe their diet was McDonald's. That's not food. It's fake chemical food. So if that's what you're using to nourish your body, you know, your immune system will be next to nothing. And that's what it comes down to. How is your immune system? Like for the last 35 minutes I've been on this interview, I've been in my infrared sauna. Oh, it's nice. Up. It's 152 degrees in here. Wow. And when you're in an infrared sauna, especially the high quality that this one is, um, it's taking – the toxins in your body, you're not just sweating, you're sweating out the toxins in your body. It's a big, it's a, you know, I originally got this from my wife because 
my ex-wife now, but uh, um, she had cancer. And this is one of those things that really helps cancer patients, like, kick out and go in remission. And she's been in remission the whole time. She never really used this that often, but it was here. She could use it anytime she wanted to. Um, but I use it. And I use my bird chamber, and I use my, you know, steam room, and because the lungs are very important to this. So, you know, it, you're getting, you know, a, a wrestling education and a, you know, <laughs> a wrestler's point of view of where I'm at in the pandemic. I'm not saying anything I'm saying is right or the holy grail. I just follow people who are really smart, and uh, I don't pay attention to the people who have idiot things to say <laughs> you know uh if you have some background and some backup to your education what you how knowledgeable you are that's the people i listen to and there's the people that i let inspire in me and guide me to things like infrared saunas and hyperbaric chambers and steam rooms and things that are, you know help heal your body so i'm gonna leave you guys with this if you want to know more about my dp yoga you want to get out of um you know, you want to release some of that stress, seven days free. It costs you nothing to try it. Just go to ddpyoga.com or ddpy.com. I'm branding everything pretty much ddpy. Why? Because I want people to stop calling it just fucking yoga. Because it's not. <laughs> you know, is that, if anything, I developed ddpy for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga. But right. it needs that you know, kick-ass cardiovascular workout will dramatically increase your flexibility, strengthen your core at a whole different level with minimal joint impact. I mean, that's what it's about. I'm going to actually do a – I've created another level of DDPY uh, that I'm going to start to let people know about either this week or next week, and it's my DDPY jacked program, and this is, has to do with blood flow restriction and what has happened to my body and my muscles? I mean, I am blown away of my strength and my cosmetic appearance. And, you know, at 64 years old, I do a CC of testosterone because if I didn't do it, I'd have none in me. Mm-hmm. Yep. But as a hormone replacement, I take one CC. That is all I take. I'm 222 pounds. And I may look the best I've ever looked. I'm 64. And comes from this program mixed with this new JACT program, these blood flow resistant training, that there's a lot of those bands out there from really cheap to really expensive. And what I've found is both of them, really everything, what I've seen out there is a great idea. It's just not executed correctly. And I got with a buddy of mine named Chet, and we designed these straps. He, I gave him all the feedback over the last six months, and um, I mean, I mean, I, the pictures and videos won't lie. Because <laughs> here's where I was for 12 years, not lifting weights. I still don't lift weights. I'm only doing DPY Jack, and my body looks better. Maybe then it's ever has. I don't know. But not only looks better, is stronger. On my 64th birthday, it's a video up there. I got 11 and two-thirds, almost 11 and three-quarters, 11 
10 second push ups. Where you lower for 10 seconds, you hold three inches off the ground for 10 seconds, and then you push up for 10 seconds, and then you do the next one. And I got 11 complete, and then I got to the floor of, and was pushing up, and on my way up, I had to lower my knee. Uh, but I was, man, I was so close to 12, and I'm going to get that. By the time I'm 65, I will get 12 10-second push-ups. And, again, how is that possible? Go to ddpy.com, get educated with the program, try the app because that costs you nothing. The DVDs you can order, and you got 30 days to send them back. Come with a 30-day, you know, guarantee. This is no bullshit. Less than 1% of our product gets returned to us a year. Wow. That's insane. That's mm-hmm. an insane number. You know, it should be like five. Yeah, you know, because that's that would be sure good. Ours is like one. So, you know, try it out. The app costs you nothing. You can see it. I'm going to be live on Facebook next week. And then the week after that, I'm going to be talking about Jacked. So check it out. Just get on my. Instagram at diamonddallaspage.com at DDP Yoga. You know, my, if you're a Twitter person at real DDP at DDP Yoga, or just go to the site and check me out. All right, brother. I got to go, right. man. Awesome stuff. Thank you to DDP, the master of the diamond cutter, one of the greatest of all time, without a doubt. Thanks, DDP. Hey, it's been your pleasure, brother. <laughs> See you, bro. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.